Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. You're listening to Simply Stogies, a monthly podcast dedicated to the cigar enthusiast. Light up a stogie, sit back and relax while James brings you along on his journey as a new cigar smoker. Simply Stogies will review cigars, discuss topics that cigar aficionados find important, and will probably learn a few things along the way. Now, here's your host of Simply Stogies, James. Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am your host, James. For this episode, another very special episode, we are welcoming back to Simply Stogies, Lee Marsh from Stolen Throne Cigars. Lee, welcome back to Simply Stogies. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been about six or seven months. Thank you so much for taking the time today to sit down with me and talk about some things. We've had a great conversation already before we started this. So I'm looking forward uh, to uh, to the great conversation we're about to have. But before we do, uh, I'd like to invite everybody to go to to creativebraincandy.com and check out all of the great family of podcasts we have over there, including a brand new Twitch streamer, Captain Nilskill. Captain Nilskill, I've known him for years. He used to podcast. Now he streams on Twitch. Check him out. Follow him on Twitter. Go to creativebraincandy.com and you can find out where to see Captain Nilskill as he plays Valorant and other great first-person shooter games. God only knows what else he's going to play, but he he interacts with his community. I'm very happy to have him on board the creative Bring Candy family. And that's all I have this time. So that's uh, that's short, sweet, and to the point. Lee, how have you been, sir? I can't complain, man. COVID-free and busy as hell, but all good things, man. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing well, thank you. COVID-free as well. Let's talk about COVID. That. It's been a weird, wild year. How has COVID impacted Stolen Throne? It's been insane, man. It's been great on the, the business side, which is really weird to say. Um, we've done a lot of Zoom events, doing whatever we can to partner with our our retail partners to keep things going, help in any way we can. That's kind of been our whole modus operandi during the thing. We made the switch. Uh, we're not pushing cigars as much as we are trying to partner and help people keep things going. And it's been super successful. We, you know, we started with a national event that we threw. So if you bought cigars from anyone that carries on the throne, we took care of the event for them. Um, and then we've done zooms with, you know, Tismart and Spartan cigars and we've done a bunch. It's, it's, it's been really neat, man, to see people get creative and express their entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, to keep things going in, in a weird, weird time. Um, we, we're starting to feel the crunch now logistically, you know, getting cigars here. And, and I'm sure all your listeners have noticed the inventory crunches across the country in all different markets. So we're trying to do our best to navigate that and just trying to make the best out of a terrible situation for sure. Yeah. At, at first, when COVID first hit uh, late February, early March, where things started to shut down here in the U S we didn't really see a whole lot as far as the cigar industry went, but you're right. Now we're starting to see that crunch. We're starting to see inventory shortages. What's going on. Can you give us a little insider baseball as to, to why that's happening now? Well, I mean, it, it's the, the supply chain at all levels is under a crunch. I mean, in speaking for us directly in, in, in Nicaragua, like, 
it's a pandemic, obviously. So there's a lot of people sick, a lot of people scared. People don't come to work. You know, the, that whole thing, they're doing the best they can. Um, with everyone's trying to stay safe. You get on the logistics level where cargo companies, distribution companies are not able to make as many trips per day as they usually do. So that cuts down. And then you have customs that are delayed. I mean, every point and stop in the logistics stream has been affected. I mean, look at the call to arms. We were, I wanted to launch that April 1st. They didn't get here till July 24th on my birthday, you know? So you're, you're, you have to be flexible, but it is, it's a, it's a crapshoot right now. Um, and a lot of great people trying to fix it, but there's only so much people can do at every level, you know, when you have a global pandemic that's, that's crippling the supply chain. Yeah, for sure. So what have you guys done? Let's talk about, about Stone Throne. So you just said that, that the uh, call to arms was late and you didn't go out when you wanted it to, but like, that's a hell of a birthday present. It was, it was, uh, unfortunately customs destroyed a good bit of the order, which made the demand even higher and supply even lower. So, you know, that was a thing, but we're super, super lucky for the support, man. It was, it was really anticipated, um, on a wholesale level, it sold out in four days. Um, and the, the reception has been great. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about it. It's been a really busy year for us. We don't plan to stop. We have some more things going on. You know, we we still got the crook going, obviously. And um, then the call launched, and then we did Argos with Winston Humidor out of Richmond, um, which is a, a really really cool project that's near and dear to my heart. We can talk a little bit about that. And then we did the Oath Taker um, exclusive with Cigar Federation. So. And then we we do have plans to still, you asked me about the Phantom Queen, that is still very much on the board. It's just the TBD at this point because of all the things we've already previously mentioned. Um, and then we're still planning to launch the, the, the third extension of the regular production line in early 2021. So we're keeping the ball rolling, man. So it, Call to Arms is regular production? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So, so the Oath Taker was a limited... Uh, Cigar Federation exclusive, the Argos was uh, exclusive to Winston's. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so you're going to have, uh, what did you call it? So this is the Connie. We talked about this before. So you're going to have the, a, a Connecticut coming out. What's the name of that? The Phantom Queen, the Phantom Queen, which is, that is a fantastic name. Is there box art? That's cause this is going to be the first one. You and I talked about this beforehand. This is the first one that you guys are putting in a box. There is box art. There is box art. So we started working with the guy from Anchors Away Design. The guy's amazing. He did all the call stuff. He did the Argo stuff. He did uh, the Oath Taker. He's basically the guy that does all our design work now. Um, JR and I have retired from doing our own design work. <laughs> it's uh, up here on our high horses. We're, it's beneath us now. No, the guy's just way better than us. Um, and he gets what we're doing, which is really nice. And he's easy to work with. Super talented. Uh, Corey Miller, he's amazing. Um, and it's funny that like he, we met him, we did an event at Smoke Ring. And he hates when I tell the story, it's embarrassing for him, but I think it's hilarious. So we're doing the event, Josh and I are down there, we're selling cigars and talking to people and this guy comes in and I can tell he wants to talk to us, but he's like a little nervous. So like he just buys cigars and leaves and then he goes out and then he comes back in 15 <laughs> minutes ago, like later and then he just comes up and says, hey man, like you guys work with a graphic designer? Uh, and I was like, no, we're looking for one. You, you want a shot? And he sends me his portfolio and then it, it just goes that way. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was really cool. It was really cool to, uh, 
I love the, the community and having those organic relationships for sure. We talked about this and I, I kind of want to, I want to highlight this. Everything that you guys do at Stolen Throne, it is very organic. You let all of the relationships just kind of happen. Sure. Yeah. And I that, mean, that's intentional. It is. It is. So my thing is, you know, we talk about creativity and I, I, I totally believe that when you're, when you're in the creative aspect, like the best thing is just to let people do own their process. I mean, we, we try to be as vertically integrated as we can, but these guys like Josh and Kevin or JR, they come to me with ideas of projects and I just say, yeah, man, run with it. Get back to me. You know? And so that turned into the custom Zippo lighters. Josh did a phenomenal job. They went, dude, it's, it, it's, it's so funny because we had all these plans to do all these grandiose things. And then they sold out before we could even launch or announce them. Like they just, <laughs> like everyone, it, they got out because we started doing them for like raffles and stuff to help like the post COVID events. And then, you know, people started word of mouth, like, hey, man, I need one of those. Hey, hey. And then they were gone. So, um, but yeah, I mean, even Kevin with the boxes, you know, we do everything ourselves. So he makes our display boxes for the retailers and it was completely his thing. He, I, I don't want someone telling me how to blend my cigars. So I try not to compete in other people's processes that they're passionate about. And I think you get a great product that way. You know, you allow people to own it and kind of roll with it. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So let's, let's talk about, let's go back to COVID here real quick. How have you guys, han how, how did you handle COVID? How are you handling COVID? Like what is, what does that process look for you, look like for you guys? Cause I, I being out and about now trying to, to get out and, and get more content from, from retailers and from, from whoever I can, honestly, it, I, I see both ends of the spectrum. I see those that are like, ah, COVID's not a big, big deal. And then I see others that are like, Hey, why don't you wash your hands? <laughs> what, yeah. what, make sure you're wearing the mask. Make sure you're doing this. Like, what does that look like for you? Cause I'm guessing it's the same for you as you go out and about, you see both ends of that spectrum. Oh, we definitely do. We definitely do. And, and all you can really do is control how you behave and how your staff behaves. Right. So our thing is always just being responsible, being a responsible partner. So we, you know, we let everyone know before we go to an event. I have everyone tested that's going to be at the event. I make sure that the results are, act, you know, accessible to the retailers. They want to see them. You know, we're always conscious about sanitizing. We have sanitizers at the, boot, at, yeah, the tables that we set up and everything. So we do the best we can and try to accommodate. But being responsible, we don't – the last thing I would want is for someone that works with us to be the reason someone else gets sick. I mean, that's a terrible responsibility. You know? But that requires some investment. I mean, if you're spending money on getting your employees tested before you send them out. Yeah, but that's my responsibility. I think that that's just being a, a responsible partner. And, you know, it's the fact is we're going out in the public. We're just trying to be a productive member of society and the community. Right. So that's our part. I'm not worried about the cost or anything like that. Like, that's just what we should do. Um, everything else. I mean, we're sold out right now. So we have a little bit of downtime. Um, while we wait for the next shipments to come in of cigars, but it's been hectic, man. It's been nuts. I did not envision. I don't know what I envisioned with COVID. I don't think anyone really did. Um, right. But like I said, we made a, a conscious shift to to help our retail partners wherever we could. But business didn't slow down. I mean, we stopped out a couple times during the pandemic, um, and it, it's it's been pretty hard to explain, man. Like I can't 
grasp the amount of growth and, and, and sales we've been able to conjure during this crazy time. I'm happy that we can move a product that helps people stay, keep their business open, because that's really what's important. I mean, because if retailers fail, we fail, you know? So, right. and unfortunately there are going to be some retailers that aren't going to survive. But what I've seen, like we briefly touched earlier is that some of these guys are, and, and, and women are just super, super creative and their entrepreneurial spirit. Like, like we talked about doing deliveries, doing like Zoom events, doing like, you know, all these incentives. And it, it's really cool to see them. It's really, it's, it's really cool to see. And to be able to play into that in any way and, and help that go is, it's an honor for us. I was in Nebraska uh, last week or the week before, and, and I, I went around to several cigar lounges and everyone said that they were up year over year. That everyone said that they have just been selling more during COVID than they sold pre-COVID. Yeah. For an industry that is uh, obviously not, I mean, it's not the healthiest industry, right? Like there are healthier hobbies you could probably be doing. That surprises me in a pandemic where like breathing is such a big thing, right? Like everyone's worried about coughing. Everyone's worried about pneumonia. Everyone's worried about the flu. Why is that? Why is, why is everyone gravitating towards cigars right now? It seems like, or why are cigar smokers more active during COVID? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a myriad of things. I think you have a lot more people working from home. So maybe, you know, they're isolated, they're smoking, they're trying to take a break from the constant hysteria, you know? And I, like I said, I think, you know, working from home would probably be a huge indicator or, you know, people, they don't have anything to do. They're at home. So they're smoking more. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm guessing those are the two major factors, but to be honest with you, James, who the hell knows? It's, it's been, it's been crazy. <laughs> it and it's been, been it's, it's been weird to see different states too. Cause as we travel, we see things done differently. And like Virginia, the lounges didn't close unless you chose to. Yeah. So they went to social distancing and they did all that kind of stuff and they did limits on the indoor outdoor stuff. But generally most of the, most of the lounges that I visit here locally, they were still businesses usual kind of, you know, they limited the numbers inside, but a lot of these folks have outdoor space and, you know, social distancing and that kind of stuff. So they were keeping it, they were keeping it going. Yeah. And I think, I think it was a nice, it's been a nice break for people. You know, you, you, smoke cigars you got nothing else to do why not relax and try to smoke some cigars you know and like myself i you know my my smoking has gone through the roof you know i'm sitting in the office all day here at the house in the lounge <laughs> so right? yeah so i'm buying more cigars now as a consumer than i think i've ever done <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, that's hard for me to believe because i remember the last time uh you were on the podcast you talked about having like just so many cigars that your wife was uh, not very pleased. And now, I mean, I, I know, I feel your pain. I'll be honest with you. I've seen parts of my humidor that I haven't seen in years. It's been aggressive. <laughs> like my stash is taking, my stash is taking a hit. There's a, there's a couple, a uh, couple shops out there that have me on, that I'm on speed dial. So like I've been, <laughs> you know, so, but it's, uh, it, it's been weird, man. Like everyone's trying to adjust. And I, I assume that we're just like everybody else just trying to be flexible and kind of coordinate a little bit better. We're being mindful of JR because he's older, you know, so unfortunately that's limited his ability to get out and meet people yeah. and do events with us. Um, but we're just trying to do the best we can to be as smart and responsible about it as we can, you know? Right. Well, and that, 
I'm going to segue that into, because now if you're out and about and JR is not able to be out and about, that kind of makes you the face of, of stolen throne. And we talked about this a little bit that you're what a now, terrible thing. What a terrible you're, thing. you're now synonymous with, with stolen throne. How do you handle that? How do you approach that? Uh, as, as a, as a blender, as, as like, you're the face of the company now. Yeah, it's weird. You know, we talked about that. Uh, I consider myself to be a very normal person. I still interact with Facebook groups in the same way I did before. It just happens that now I have my own company. Um, we try to, you know, nothing really changed. I mean, it is a little bit different for sure. Uh, I'm managing it the best I can. I think, uh, it is different for sure with, you know, just the support and people wanting to play their part and supporting us and, and pushing the brand forward, you know, cause I've always said that, you know, we own the company, not the brands, the consumer owns the brand. They, they, and we may manage it, but they're, they're really pushing it. You know, the growth has stayed the same. The growth models stay the same. It's generally word of mouth. Like our consumers being the great folks that they are going in their local B and M's and saying, Hey, you need to reach out to Lee. Like you got to get this thing in here. It's crazy. You know, I'm just the guy uh, that makes cigars. That's it. <laughs> so I know that's like a super vanilla answer. And I'm sure the guys on the forum will give me a hard time about it. Um, but it's true. Like I, it, the, we've talked like the, the fan thing is very weird for me. I have a hard time dealing with it, but it's great. And that's not in a weird way. It's just, you know, I generally appreciate the support we get. Right. Yeah. But it's all very organic and it's, you don't push yourself, you push the cigar and it's just, you know how the cigar community is. Oh, who made sure. the cigar? Oh, Lee Marsh made this cigar. Oh man. I love Lee Marsh because he made this cigar. I'm now yeah. a fan of Lee Marsh. I'm yeah, going to stalk yeah. him. <laughs> I've learned, I've learned some things to so be mindful about what I post. I remember when we got our new shirts in, uh, I think we stopped counting it like, a thousand comments between comments and like direct messaging and all that stuff about, Hey man, I need that shirt. I need all those shirts. Where can I get that shirt? <laughs> you know? So, right. but it's all from a great place, right? Like you, you, we always do our best to make sure that we respond to everyone because if you take any time out of your day to give us a portion of your valuable time, whether it's smoking our cigars, I always take that personally. I've always said that. Like it's an elastic product. You choose to smoke our cigars. You choose to buy the stuff that's affiliated with our brand. I'm super thankful and you deserve the time and respect that that, that deserves. So it, it's very cool, but it's, it, it can be, it's overwhelming and humbling at the same time. How does your, does your wife give you a lot of shit for? Oh, constantly, man. Her thing is like, Oh, Mr. Cigar Liberty over here. Like when I'm doing zooms, like she's making like faces or like telling all my, like my mom will FaceTime the baby and she's like, Oh, your son's too busy being famous, blah, blah, blah. You give me a hard time, you know, cause oh, as, a, as a wife should do. Right. No, absolutely. That's what keeps a marriage going. Right. She loves breaking my balls. She's a professional. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about. So we full disclosure, I have not reviewed uh, fully the uh, call to arms and I haven't reviewed the oath taker at all yet. By the time this comes out, both or at least one of those reviews will be on possibly both of those reviews. So I, I you know, I don't know what I'm going to give them. So I'm, I'm doing this beforehand. Let's talk about the let's talk about these cigars. Let's talk about the call to arms. 
what what were you going yeah. like what were you looking at what were you trying to do with called arms when you were blending it um you know it's the thing is i just wanted to create something completely different for the portfolio because the crook had taken off and become a, a standalone a thing on its own you know i mean i think there's people out there that if we've never done another cigar they wouldn't have cared like the the, the crook it's it was our pet project. We put so much time and effort into it, but it, it taken off. And what I didn't want is I didn't want to create anything that would have to compare itself to the crook. And I think we did that with the call. It's completely different in every aspect. Um, the Sumatra wrapper with, you know, and it's a all Habano Nicaraguan tobacco off in Samoza, which was really cool because it was one of our first harvests of that varietal. Um, so that's completely outside of the wrappers, completely sourced from Florida, St. Louis, um, farms, um, and Carlos Pereira. So just a really, really cool experience, completely different from the crook in every way. Um, even, even the Vitolas, we kept the Robusto, but we did a classic Cuban Corona, a six by 46. So just to deliver it in a different way. And I, I just think it's a, complete game changer to our portfolio and, and it stands alone. And I like to, to hear the, the concepts of, Oh, I love the call better. or I like the cook better. And that's not really what it was about. It was just making a definitive second step for the brand and putting something completely different out there, you know, and, not and, getting into that box of just here's a stolen thrown cigar. Right. Here's a Lee Marsh. Yeah. You don't want that. You want, I hate I, that. Like that's my biggest fear. <laughs> like I don't want that predictable, <laughs> The, you know that predictable profile that's interesting because there are and we talked about this before there are cigar makers out there that that's what they want they want that so much consistency in what the the brand tastes like that you can be like oh this is that or this is that but you're like no i want to keep everybody on their toes why 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 is that what is it just something you want to do to set yourself apart from everyone else or Sure. I mean, I think that however someone differentiates their product is up to them and their and their concept. You know, if, if people have signatures, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what I wanted. You know, my thing was, how do we keep it creative? How do I create new things that I want to smoke that everyone that I think that, you know, people would want to smoke based off of what they've experienced with other things we've offered? And, you know, I was super trepidatious, and I told you about this. Like, with the call, I was so nervous bringing that cigar out because here you have the crook that took off. It was a thing, like, and all this pressure to, to follow that up. Um, and it had to kind of meet that test, you know, and it had to stand on its own. Like, what if someone never had the crook and they had the call? It needs to be its own avenue. It can't build off of something else that had to stand alone. And I think all of our projects do that, even with the smaller, you know, the small batch exclusive stuff that we've done, that's just kind of my way to be even more creative with tobacco that we may not have enough to do 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 cigars, but I can do a couple, you know? Um, and I think, I think that goes to your creative process, which you, we talked a little bit about uh, offline before is, is that how you approach tobacco and how you approach being creative. Do you want to talk to that just a little bit? Sure, sure. So when we started, like it was, it's just you're overloaded with all this tobacco that's in front of you. And so what I didn't ever want to do is I didn't want to become myopic and, and have this idea of, okay, I need to do a Habano now. So I'm going to make a Habano. I didn't want to do that because I just felt like if I do that, what am I missing out on? Yeah. Right. So like that's why the crook was a San Andreas Maduro because 
I had focused so much on just what was available, what the tobacco was saying, what the tobacco was doing, because I tried to make the Cabano and it just didn't work. So from that point on, I just tried to experience the tobacco as it came available to us and what we had available and what we could get our hands on and make and paint the picture however we could from what we had available on the canvas. So part of that is out of necessity of being a smaller company with the tobacco availability being what it is, but also being creative, like leaving opportunities as endless as possible, you know? And I think with the whole mindset of creating the best of all I could. Right. I told you this before, I, you know, we, we rated it. I think I rated it a 9.4 and I think Mike a 9.3 or vice versa. I think it was around there. So 93, 94 uh, for the, for, for the crook of the crown. Uh, and that's outside like a San Andreas Maduro. Like that's typically outside of my wheelhouse. And I try to take my personal bias out when I'm, when I'm tasting and reviewing cigars. Sure. The call to arms is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> It's funny because I never really, I never really gave that much thought, but it's funny. It's, it's always rewarding to have those interactions with someone. Cause I remember we just did an event. We were at DNS, um, in Lancaster and we had a guy come up and he loved the crook, but he was super, he, he was very reserved in trying the call because he doesn't like Sumatra. He said, he's like, dude, I, I hate it. And Kevin doing what Kevin does, you know, selling ketchup popsicles to people in white gloves. <laughs> right. He's like, man, just try it. Just try it. You know, if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. I'll pay for the cigar if you don't like it. And so the guy smokes it, comes right back, buys a bundle and leaves. You know, so it's it's that, that challenge of creating something that's outside the norm that might be a little different, that kind of tests what you think you like. But I think that's boutique cigars in general. You know, I, I think that's, the creative mantra of being able to provide something that's very traditional in the art form, but different in the way that it either delivers on flavor or however the experience is for you. But those, that's the rewarding thing is the blending side of me is when you can create something that someone doesn't normally like, and they said, that's, I, I enjoy this. That's pretty cool. And I want to talk about the Oath Taker, but you just said something that, that is, is really interesting. Do you think then that boutique is more about how you approach the process than it is about anything else. I think by definition it is. I think it's more about the personal interaction with creating something than it is selling something, you know, cause you asked me about being part of the product. And I think that that, that wraps into that, like your approach to cigars and, and what you're providing to people, you know? And I think as you get bigger by nature, you, you start to separate from that front line um whereas with us boutique guys you're, you're very much in the forefront you know you're going out you're traveling you're meeting these folks you're interacting with these folks and I, you're a part of the product because you're, you you want to sell your passion and what you've created so i definitely think it's more of the process whatever that looks like for each individual because that can be different for me as it is someone else you know right no for sure so it, yeah I, I, I think I would agree with that 100%, but that doesn't mean that you don't want to get to the point of a Drew Estate or a Tatawahe where they, you know, they started so small and now they're, they're huge and they have so many lines and they have this and they have that. But you still want that, right? Or do you not? You still want to be successful. You just want to do it in your own way. You know, my thing is growth is a part of that. So you will get bigger. Production runs will get bigger, but it's still with a mind of, 
I'll never push production past the point of where I don't think we can maintain quality. And if it gets to that point, we just won't do it. Has that been a concern with COVID quality? Sure. Sure. You know, because the things that happen in times of need in times of, you know, when, when parts of your operation get stressed, the high probability of forcing something or rushing something or skipping a step goes exponentially higher. So you just have to rely on the process that you created and, and be mindful of what you're checking at each point in time. But, you know, still stay in the course. Right. All right. So let's talk about, I, I want to get to Oathtaker, but let's talk about Argos because this is such a great thing that I didn't even know about that you were telling me uh, about Winston. So this was a, a, a Winston's exclusive. You want to talk about the Argos and, and what's behind that? So the Argos is a really, really cool project. So Kevin and Roseanne, owners of Winston's Humidor in Melothian, Virginia, they've been friends of mine for years. Before we even um, got into the idea of stolen cone cigars. And so they're deep rooted in their love for dogs and, and rescuing dogs. And Winston's whole thing, their whole moniker, everything about them is about, you know, from their logo down to being a dog friendly cigar lounge is about that portion of their lives. And so they had always done the Seize the Day cigar, which was named after Caesar, one of their adopted boxers that had passed. And so annually, like an anniversary since they would do this event and they would $15 from every box sold would go to the local uh, animal rescue. They'd asked me to, to take on this project and take our spin at it. So that's how the Argos came about. So super, super important project for us. Uh, really, really hit home. It was, it's just really cool. It, it's a great cause, something that my wife and I hold dear. Both of our dogs, Brody and Bella, rescues. So we can definitely align ourselves with what they're doing. And they're just great people. So being able to be a part of something like that um, in a creative way was is, is super rewarding for us. Yeah, absolutely. So is that something that's going to continue? Free? It is. It is. The blend might change and the offering might change. But yes, that's something that we're going to continue to do over time. That's awesome. That That's yeah. fantastic. Such a such a, a great thing to do and a good way to give back into the community. Um, sure. So that's that's great. Let's talk about Oath Taker now. So this was a Cigar Federation exclusive that lasted for how long on Cigar Federation? Maybe like an hour or two. Like <laughs> right? It, uh, oh, and the funny thing is like I got a lot of flack from the cigar community because they're like, man, you didn't even advertise. And ironically, like I found out an hour before they launched. So that, <laughs> well, I, I had produced cigars, had them sent directly to the guy like Chris and Kyle. And basically they handled the packaging for us. So I was really at their mercy, whatever they wanted to do and however they wanted to do it. Um, and so I just got a text that morning. Hey, bro, we're launching Oath Taker today. <laughs> like, and that was it. So, and then it was on there and then it was gone. So yeah. again, just super, super crazy support, which we're super thankful for. But it's, it is humbling, man. Like to have something like that and just go that quickly. But of course that leads into like, when's the next project? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. I wasn't going to ask that yet. What I was going to ask was, how did this project come about with Cigar Federation? So it was something, you know, Chris and Kyle have really jumped on and like supported it. I've known them for years. So they, when they found out we were doing this with Noel, they, they were super supportive. They jumped on it immediately, right? Like they, they were behind JR and I from the very, very get-go. Um, and they had always asked like, hey, do you, 
potentially think you could do something just for us, like something special project or whatever. And it really just came down to timing. You know, we were so busy with getting the cook launched and, you know, stabilizing the business and planning the next release. And then, so what we knew the second fiscal year, we were just going to get after. So we, we had started early last year of like starting to separate some tobaccos and start looking through some stuff, setting some stuff aside. And then it got, we had some free time to get down. We actually did it when we were down there doing an event for smoke ring in Houston. We spent some time at the blending factory, got some stuff off the table, started figuring some stuff out. And then, you know, we just had all this stuff that we had, I had been picking through and looking through for the last year or so that we, like I said, we didn't really have quite enough to do anything massive. Um, but it was a perfect opportunity to, to, to push a project like this. And it, it, they turned out great. I was, I was super excited with how they did the packaging, with how it played with the blend. The whole thing is, is really cool. Yeah, the packaging looks very nice. Uh, I like the artwork on it. I'm I'm super excited to try that. Like I've tried uh, the call to arms already, and I like I said that's in my wheelhouse. So I'm super excited to try the Oath Taker uh, and, and get a review out for that. When's the next project? <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot going on. We like I said, we plan to launch the the third extension of the the regular production early next year. Um, we have some stuff in the works constantly, always, always working. I'm not quite sure when the next release is going to be for anything of the side project stuff, but definitely can count on uh, the third regular production cigar in early 2021. Um, and then Phantom Queen, first limited edition, being sometime in that area too. All right. So I, I want to ask you this, uh, and and I want to see – I just want to know what you think of all of the limited editions that seem to come out all the time. And I don't mean like these special side projects, like what you're doing. I mean like, Oh, there's this limited edition of X amount and this is all you're going to get. But then inevitably a company will put four or five or six of those out a year. Like here are like six LEs. Yeah. I mean, that's not, I, everyone does everything their own way. Right. For yeah. me, the hard part about it is, when I say it, when JR and I have agreed, like we had said from the very beginning, when we do limited editions, that's it. They're going to be gone because they take an exponential amount of time, effort, and and the way that we do them with the way that we select tobaccos to do them, they're gone. When they're gone, they're gone. Like that doesn't mean that, you know, we're not going to keep some back for ourselves to smoke but or include in some event. But in terms of releasing them again, that's because to me, that's part of being boutique. That's part of, part of doing these special projects that kind of just almost are an ancillary benefit to being a supporter of the brand is you, you know, we, we get to express ourselves with these special side projects. Right. But yeah. when they're gone, they're gone. And I think everyone just has their different run and take on that. And I think no one's right or wrong. It's just what you choose to do and how you align yourself. To me, when I, when, when stolen throne says limited and it's a one and done, we mean it like it's a one and done. And I think that's a good approach. I also think that a lot of it around the industry was caused by being fearful of what the FDA was going to do. And now that the FDA has kind of, at least we've won the fight temporarily, hopefully we'll see a lot of that maybe go away and people will save blends for a little bit later when there's, there's, uh, there's more product, but that brings up the FDA. You guys, you guys had to have breathed a huge sigh of relief. 
Well, yes and no. I mean, we were prepared. I mean, we we were going to do the necessary. So that was part of the whole setup of Stolen Throne. We were prepared before we even launched, you know, with having paperwork, starting to be prepared to work with that, having the legal team and the legal resources to make sure that we were not just a fly-by-night setup. Like, we didn't want to be here today, gone tomorrow. So we were prepared to go a multitude of ways with it. Of course, it's a sigh of relief that we didn't have to pursue those those avenues, but we were prepared to follow the paperwork and do everything we had to do. So, of course, you know, that's some cost that we, we can't get back, but that's the nature of doing business. You know, we you can't dwell on that. We're happy that we have this temporary reprieve, however temporary it might be, but still maintaining that keeping your ducks in a row. And I think that that's just an ode to how we wanted to set the business up and do things the right way and not be caught off guard, right? And the majority of the setup and launch of Stolen Throne was focused on that aspect of the business. You know, it wasn't just create a good cigar, launch the cigar, sell the cigar. There was probably two to three years of us preparing to do so just in legal formation and all that kind of stuff. So you've talked about like doing things the right way. And that's like this conversation that I've had with you both when we hit the record button and, and beforehand, it's really been about doing things your way, doing things how the way you want to do them, that would, what you perceive to be the right way. And that kind of goes into maybe the rabid fan base that you have seemed to have, have grown in such a short time. And like you said, offline, it's such a grassroots thing like this. It's word of mouth. Do you can like how do you fan that fire? Because that's something you want to continue, right? Sure. Yeah, I love it. I because it it's meaningful. It's it, it's at the very root of who we wanted to attract, and the, that's the consumer, the boutique smoker. And that doesn't mean that there aren't people outside of that circle that don't pick up cigars that we make and enjoy them. Um, but the people that have really embraced us, the market segment that we've targeted, are, have just taken to it and they've pushed it. I mean, we, we're proud of the fact that like 85% of our growth, 90% of our growth has been because of our our supporters going into their local B&Ms and saying, you know, why the hell don't you sell their cigars? Like get their cigars. We even had people giving their own cigars to their shop owners to smoke, not even like reaching out to us to get samples, which we'll gladly send out. But doing like just cutting out the middleman and being like, here, smoke it. And then when you like it, here's who you got to contact, you know? Right. So it's really, really cool, man. But, you know, the retailers, to their credit, they talk as well. Like we've had a bunch of people where they say, you know, Lena from New Tobacco Village or, you know, Spartan Cigars, they told me how great this product is or Atlantic Dominion, you know? So we have, we've, we've built this community of just trying to create these strong strategic partnerships that where we can be mutually beneficial to each other, you know, and to me, that's just good business, but really more so when you bring in the passion and the effort that we put into building the project of Stone Throne Cigars, it kind of builds off that authenticity. And that's the whole reason behind the brand is we, we didn't want something we would have to fake. Like it's not hard for JR and I to sell these cigars because we generally love what we're doing. We love interacting with the people that, that smoke our cigars and that don't smoke our cigars. We just love the cigar community. So I think by fanning it, we just continue to do what we've been doing. You know, when you talk about, when you say cigar community, 
you mean those anyone who smokes your cigars? Does that include the retailers then too that you work with? Of like, those are essentially business partners. Okay, they are, and and that's the way we look at. It. We always tell people we're looking for business partners. We're looking for strategic partners because we need them. They're a vehicle. They're an avenue to get to communicate, to push, to educate. You know, so and we've said that from day one, and we're still doing that. We don't just accept everyone that wants to sell our cigars because. We're still a very small company. We're still a boutique company. And the fact that if you just throw us in a big humidor with no education or, you know, you don't believe in what we're doing, we're going to drown. And it doesn't work out for either of us. The opportunity cost of that inventory that could go to someone else that could move it. And plus, you could use that space for something else that you could move. So it is about having people to work together that is mutually beneficial. It really is about building relationships, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And not even just with, with retail, but building the relationship with the consumer. Because when you build a relationship with the consumer, they, they see that transparency. They see you're not trying to fake it. They see the authenticity that you have and the passion that you have. Sure. And those are also the same people that hound you during a pandemic when you're out of cigars. <laughs> they, you know. But well, I get it. You, know, that's, you take the good with the bad, right? Well, it's not bad. And I, that's the worst part for me is the anxieties because I want them to have the cigars. You know, we've, we've done the work partnering with them to create the spot for us in their shops with their consumers. We want that to keep going, you know, for them just as much as for us, you know? So you do, you take the good with the bad, but it's really not that bad. It could be worse. It, it, for sure. It, it definitely could be worse, especially during a pandemic. So uh, speaking of, of the, pandemic and everything so lots of things seem to be in motion so lots of things like you have things coming up a lot of it's on hold what are you doing to get out and about to the community while you're waiting for things to kind of uh come back together during covid well we're staying in touch with all our you know all our retailers seeing what their protocols are seeing what you know what they want to do events like a lot of people are trying to get things in place now for when restrictions do this so trying to plan out making sure we can be there when they need us there if we to do events you know get out how can we help you it's the constant contact right checking in you know um and and just staying up to date and, and really like i said you know we're beating that dead horse but being the best partner we can be for them this even though we don't have some inventory right now maybe it's planning an event maybe it's a you know assisting with whatever they need. Uh, we, we talked a little bit before about what you were doing uh, uh, when, the, when this all started. And you said you, you did a, a, just a shit ton of, of <laughs> Zoom herfs uh, when, this all, when this all started. You were doing those virtual herfs. Was that, do you think that's going to continue once COVID goes away, once all of the restrictions are lifted, once there's a vaccine out there? Is that, is that kind of stuff, this ingenuity that you said you've seen from retailers doing online and virtual events and, and, and what I've seen from retailers who didn't sell online now starting to sell online. Are we going to see this and, and deliveries, right? We talked about retailers doing deliveries. Is that kind of stuff? Do you think that's going to change the industry long-term or is this just going to be a short-term one to two year deal until we get a vaccine? I think it's going to be a, a mixture of both. I think you're going to see more people doing virtual events just because of availability and being able to do that, you know, being able to to reach more people for an event through your location. Um, 
I think it's going to be a trickle down effect. I think that there's going to be some stuff that stays and some stuff that goes. I think that people that have been able to make more money off of smaller business hours, I think that'll weed itself out as regulars come back to lounges and all that kind of stuff. But it'll be really interesting to see. I don't think the Zoom stuff goes away entirely because it's been so successful. I think it drastically reduces in the amount and percentages. But I think to a certain aspect, like, you know, just think about it logistically. If I can do an event in California and an event in Virginia in two consecutive nights without having to travel cross country, you know, and it's a benefit for the retailer, sure. But I don't think that that's going to be the norm where every event is going to be virtual, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, probably not. I mean, especially once everything's opened up, I would imagine people want that personal internet. I know I do. That's why I just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to lounges now. Like I get killed by COVID. I get killed by a falling tree. It doesn't matter. Like I, I, I need that, that interaction. I need, and, and I think for a business that's even more important because face to, you can't beat face to face. Right. You can't. And it's, that's a part of the interaction. People really enjoy that, especially when you do things like we do and you have event only cigars. Like, you know, people want that interaction to be able to smoke a Remy Jean with JR and I or Kevin and, and Josh, you know, and it creates, it ties that, it builds off the brand when people can interact with the person that they're buying their products. And I love it too. I don't, I don't want to cheapen that, right? Like in where it makes some sense in some avenues, I still very much enjoy getting out and, and showing up at these places and, and hanging out with people. Again, that just goes to the community at large. You know, I said take the you take the good, you take the bad, right? But have you seen a lot of bad in the community? Just from a from a manufacturer standpoint, when you go out there, like what do you see? Is there anything in the cigar community that you'd like to see changed, or do you think that you could help facilitate change in any way? Just a better understanding, you know, of the experience. That's been universal. Uh, what I mean by that is like you know. Sometimes because someone who's so passionate about cigars on a consumer level can be dismissive of other people that may not know or may be just getting in or trying to understand, you know, and having that etiquette to, to bring that person into the fold. It doesn't happen very often in the community, I'll be honest with you. Generally, you can go into a cigar shop, find someone to talk to and have a, a generally good time. But, you know, just continue educating because we all start somewhere. You know, regardless of who you are now or what you smoke now, we all had that first cigar experience. We all didn't know what we didn't know getting into it, you know, just being more inclusive in that manner. But I generally think that that's the thing. Don't cringe if someone asks, oh, is that Cuban? You know, because if they don't know, <laughs> if they don't know, they don't know. Right. No, for sure. I, I, as someone who's still a, a relatively newer cigar smoker, I've only been in this hobby a little over two years now. It, it, it was very overwhelming at first, and, and I, I've talked to several people within the industry, and, and women are smoking more now than I, it seems like ever before, but maybe not. Like, how do we, as a, as a cigar community, welcome everyone, right? How do we be diverse? How do we open it up and make everyone feel welcome? I, just think, I mean, I just think it's just generally being a decent human being, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like if, if someone's, gener if someone's generally asking a question and they want to know, educate them. Don't, yeah. don't be dismissive about it, but not everyone wants to know. Some people are generally happy with grabbing the cigar, whatever cigar they got and they smoked it and they're fine. That's okay. But if someone asks you a question, do you, 
do your part to kind of make sure that they they maintain because I strongly believe that a strong industry is good for everyone and that that goes down to the consumer and the community as a whole so make you know keeping and cultivating more smokers and more people that enjoy the camaraderie and the atmosphere uh, is a great thing it it has exponential dividends you know what I mean right no for sure is that a, is that an attitude that you see in in the industry as a holy like is that something that a rising uh, tide raises all ships is that an attitude that other cigar manufacturers have or is it more I don't know, I don't want to say cutthroat because obviously competition is there and it's it's not a bad thing but is there is it more of like a friendly competition or is it more of a, a cutthroat uh yes <laughs> no I think, <laughs> I think there's certain aspects I think there's certain people that just do their own thing stay in their lane help where they can. And I think there's other people that are threatened by competition, whatever they may see that as, right? But I think that's each individual. I generally don't concern myself with it. Um, I found that the majority of people that I respect in the industry are super supportive and respectful in return. Others may have things to say or, you know, be different. That's their that's their bag, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we have always been at worrying about what we're doing and how we do it and not really so much on the outside. But of course, I think every, every group of like individuals that participate in the same industry is going to have certain aspects of those who want to see everyone succeed and those who are worried about their piece of the pie. So they don't want to see competition. But again, I think that's managed on an individual basis. Generally, what I would find is that overall, we tend to be supportive of one another, the people that I associate with anyway. Good. Where can you get your cigar? So it used to be when you when you first came on a few months ago, six, seven months ago now, uh, it was only Cigar Federation. But your cigars are more than just Cigar Federation, right? You can get them yeah. online. Where at? So there, so uh, Cigar Federation still is our exclusive online retailer, but we also partner with Luxury Cigar Club. So they offer us in their monthly subscription boxes. Um, and now with the changings of COVID, you know, you can almost, I think all of our accounts ship. Um, and we're nationwide. We're also international as well. There's plenty of opportunities. If, if you have a question of where you can get them or who to see, be, feel free to shoot us a, a line on Instagram or Facebook. We'll happily point you in the right direction. Yeah, no, for sure. I will make sure that there are links in the show notes to their Instagram and to their Facebook page. Lee Marsh, Stolen Throne, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to me about just about everything. You guys put out a fantastic product. You are very authentic. You're very down to earth. Very generous with your time because we spent half hour, 45 minutes before we even hit the record button just talking and catching up. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Uh, You guys make a fantastic product. If you haven't tried Stolen Throne cigars, get this in your humidor. This is uh, to give you a little preview because I don't know if it's out yet by the time this episode releases. But Stolen Throne is one of the top 10 must-try boutique brands this year. You've got to try them, guys. Lee Marsh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. Have a great one. All right, everybody. We will see you back here next time here on Simply Stogies, where I'm not sure what I'll be talking about, but I promise it'll be Simply Stogies. Stay smoky, friends. Thank you for listening to Simply Stogies. Please rate and review Simply Stogies on iTunes. 
You can follow James on his cigar journey on Instagram at Simply Stogies Podcast, all one word, and on Twitter at the Twitter handle at Simply Stogies.